Hello, everyone. You're listening to episode number nine of the Elysium Project podcast. I'm your host, Brian Johnson. If you enjoy the content we create and want to see this vision continue, we do need your support. Please head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project TV. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash Elysium Project TV. For only $4 per month, you can get access to exclusive insiders content. However, any donation, whether less or more, is always appreciated. Patreon is a secure crowdfunding platform run by Patreon, not us, and you can cancel at any time. Today, I'm speaking with Daniel Jones, also known as NixOps in the cryptocurrency community. Daniel is a developer for Burstcoin, a newer, more energy-efficient alternative to Bitcoin. In this podcast, I'll be asking, can blockchain, in other words, cryptocurrency, make the world a better place? Daniel, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. Yeah. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Good. Perfect. All right. So, like, you know, the, the question at hand, like you had mentioned, is the, the, the banks, right? Um, banking, in essence, is, is terrible in the sense that you have to ask permission in order to utilize your money, Right. Um, Satoshi's drafting of the white paper and a permissionless uh, financial system uh, it prevents someone from having dominion, right? Mm-hmm. So, so like right now in the current uh, system that we have, if you do something uh, and that bank doesn't like what you're doing or the government doesn't like what you were doing, they can freeze your assets. Now, we don't have to get into specifics as to what they could do about that. Let's just keep it at high level and just say that they can and have the ability to prevent you from making purchases, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, where is that a bad thing, right? Like, like, <laughs> like, um, do, do you, by chance, you, I'm assuming you use a major bank. I, I don't know. I'm just. Yeah. Like, like most people, I'm uh, kind of a slave to the banks right now. Okay. So have you ever been. Uh, we'll say the store and you go to purchase something and they flag it for fraud. Have you you ever had that experience? Uh, I have. Yeah. All right. So not only is that an embarrassing experience, right? Because (laughs) you, you've literally just delayed a bunch of people, but think about how humbling of an experience that is. You have to verify that you are you to make a purchase that you are standing there physically. You want to make, Mm. but you're asking permission to do that. Okay, now that's bad, right? Because no one should have to ask permission of another person in order to do anything, really, right? Like we all believe in this freedom and sovereignty and all this other stuff. So why are we, why are we just okay with that model, right? And, and then the other factor of that is like, you know, you look at what happened in two thousand and eight, the banking crisis, and then literally BTC comes out in oh nine. Um, it, it's not that you know uh, Satoshi releases it as a you know, just this idea or thought. It, it was a direct response into the, the incident that happened literally the year before. Um, when you start being able to control financials, you are giving control over a lot more than financials. Um, you have the ability to influence when you have the power over the money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, more money equals more ability to influence your way to get whatever you want done, including businesses, individuals do this, whatever you need. Uh, if you have the money, you can make things happen. Or if you control the money, you can dictate what happens, right? 
in, in the world of banking right now, what we're running into, and uh, I have friends of mine that are in, you know, investment bankers and stockbrokers and work at various entities at credit unions and C-level directors at some banks. And what, I, what I'm learning is that that is their, their, their whole thing, right? Like, like basically the reason they have that control is the ability to give your money back if you do something dumb or if their security is not up to par and they screw up, right? Um, banks get hacked a lot and they don't have to disclose that necessarily to any of the people that have bank accounts there, by the way. Uh, they're encouraged to, but by law, they don't actually have to. So I'll let that sink in a minute. <laughs> that, that, that your personal information, regardless of how how secure you think it is in, in that trusted third party, i.e. the bank, then we need to realize that that information is also up for grabs too, right? Because the bank has a lot of good information on you. Mm-hmm and any other American or any other international system that uses one. And the reason that that becomes very interesting is because a lot of times we kind of ignore it. We just think that it's for our money. I mean, they keep our socials, they keep identification information, including passwords, all this other stuff. They keep a lot of information on us. Mm -hmm. And that information is very valuable not to uh, necessarily a normal person, like, like as in a average consumer, but that information is very important to hackers and to advertisement agencies, right? And, uh, you know, banks may or may not have been in trouble before for, you know, kind of <laughs> giving a little kickback to their ad buddies on exposing information about your spending habits, right? Mm-hmm. So, so you really have to ask yourself, not only are we begging permission to utilize our money, which we have earned, by the way, uh, we also have to understand that they will treat us how they want to, and we have to be okay with it, because in 2008, they showed the world that. Mm. Now, we now have an opportunity to fight back, and that opportunity was brought with us with the birth of Bitcoin. Um, how long have you been involved with BTC, by the way? Do or I've actually... I have known about it like most people for a long time i heard about bitcoin and was aware of it but i didn't really understand what it was until uh early last year in 2017 um for myself i've been aware of the problems of banking like you just mentioned uh money created from debt all all you know the inherent problems that banking creates centralized banking so the, it was really only last year that i took notice of Bitcoin and realize like, wow, this is uh, this technology is something that could really get us out of this system. And I want to thank you for mentioning technology, because a lot of times people just assume that Bitcoin is all about the coins. There's mm-hmm. a lot of things that go into making that little BTC. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of stuff. And, uh, you know, myself, I've been involved with BTC since uh, March of 09. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. And I've watched the evolution. You know, I was there for cataclysmic events on the network. I was there for a few other fallouts, you know, the UASF and a few other things. I was not actually involved in BTC's community other than up until about, I don't know, 2012, I was really active in like doing you know, the trades for beers and that kind of thing, you know, mm-hmm. like you go to the bar, Hey man, I'll buy this round, shoot me some Bitcoin, you know? <laughs> um, 
I mean, people people laugh at us today, but that's actually how it all kind of became a thing, you know? Yeah. And actually, that's kind of how I got started was I was running a bridge relay, and uh, this guy is like, I use it a lot, and I was like, okay. He was in a chat room with me, and he's like, I want to give you a Bitcoin. And I was like, okay, what the hell is a Bitcoin? Because <laughs> uh, you got to remember – it's not today. Like a lot of times when you talk about the historic pieces of technology, people think that when you start saying that someone randomly said that, they're like, oh, I would have been gung-ho about it. I'm like, no, no, most people weren't because we had heard about it, but, you know, no one kind of knew what was going on on the back end. Like the tech people and the cypherpunks, everybody was like all hailing it and everything like that. And that's great. I'm not, I'm not discrediting that, but I'm talking about for the masses, including myself, uh, you know, granted, I was in the deep web and all those other things by running relays and being a part of other active movements. But, you know, this guy gives me a BTC. Now, at this point, yeah, of course. You know, like, I, I was like, all right, whatever. It was worth less than – actually, it was completely worthless. So, <laughs> I mean, at that point, BTC had no value. Well, I guess, theoretically, it had the value of what it was, which was one BTC. And at that moment – the fiat equivalent of what a BTC was worth was nothing. Yeah. And, 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 you know, like that also shifting with the paradigm, right. Is like, now we're starting to see people stop referring to the cost of BTC and just starting this, like, Hey, we're going to start this movement. One Bitcoin's one Bitcoin, right? Well, that's great. We've been doing that for like nine years. I don't know why everybody just decided to start that back up. Right. Um, <laughs> So, so what you look at is that Satoshi's equivalent of, of introduction of proof of work and the consensus algorithm used and, and, and the model that he created and what you see is that you see a permissionless society that could exist with a financial, uh, a financial system that doesn't require people to have dominion over other people. Mm. Yeah, that's a really good point because the banks are private institutions and you're, you're from America. I'm actually from Canada, but th where you are, you have the Federal Reserve, which for anyone who's listening and doesn't know, that's not a branch of government. It has nothing, no more federal than Federal Express, right? Um, Correct. Yeah, yeah. Let's make sure that that <laughs> so, so sometimes people like to market things a little aggressively, we'll call it. Yeah. And say that they're part of a federal thing, but they're not, and no one ever calls them on it, so to speak. Mm hmm. And I think it's what you mentioned earlier is really important. Um, let's just touch on what sort of what is blockchain and Bitcoin and what makes it different than just ordinary currency? Because when I, when I'd heard about Bitcoin for quite a few years, but I just, I didn't take much notice into it. I thought it was just kind of like PayPal. Um, so what makes blockchain different? And uh, you also mentioned Satoshi for anyone who doesn't know who Satoshi is at this point, if you could. All right. So, Satoshi Nakamoto, first let's clear that up, is a namaker used by the people slash peoples involved with the, you know, originating BTC or Bitcoin and uh, creating the white paper and distributing that and providing development support uh, up until I think it was what, 2014 was the last time we heard from Satoshi officially. So yeah, uh, so 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 that is the, the the mystification of Satoshi. Now there's a lot of people who speculate it's this person, it's that person. I'll tell you right now, when I started mining Bitcoin, there were less than a hundred nodes. 
okay? That's less than one zero zero, right? So that means that at the time, actually, I think there was, I think it was like 61 or 62 nodes, something like that. I actually remember later in 2009 when we actually, when we started seeing 100 nodes, we started seeing more countries coming on, things like that. I remember that. But, I mean, again, also, there was a lot of issues with reporting and things like that at that time. And there was also a lot of issues with people not understanding what it meant to run, you know, a miner or a node. So, a lot of times, nodes were not on all the time. So, like, you would have people who would, like, install on their laptop and then uh, shut the lid on the laptop and wouldn't use it for three days, but then would question why the node count went down. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, so... So, yeah, times have changed, obviously, in regards to that. But, like, when you start looking at cryptocurrency, what you have is you, you, you have a byproduct of software. Um, again, the block generation is, you know, the important piece because that's, that cements the transactions on the ledger. And the ledger is really what's the most important part of the blockchain. Mm-hmm. And the ledger is just like any other ledger, except instead of just you and I, for example, right, keeping the ledger between each other, it, it is now on, on a public sense and audited on the public sense every time that block is processed, every time that anything is looked at in regards to that transaction. And it's cryptographically signed. So uh, the importance there is that no one can tamper with it, right? So here's where that's a little different. Now, I don't know your history and I, you know, a lot of people may or may not know this, but everyone has had an experience with the bank that was problematic in the (laughs) sense that, Oh, I made a deposit or Hey, your machine says that I took out money when I didn't take it out or that I attempted to take it out. But you know, there was actually nothing that came out, but you still docked me for this money for like, you know, three weeks or some shit because you got to fix something on your system. Right now, there are some interesting things that happen there in the world of Bitcoin, uh, in the world of cryptocurrency. Typically, when you formulate or you make a transaction, you intend to send that money, right? Um, and because of that, the network then processes, validates, and adds that transaction to the chain or the ledger. At that point, the ledger is confirmed. And then it's added to the block and then it's further added that it has more confirmations and then that transaction goes through. Now that's Bitcoin's model. Now Bitcoin is a great, great piece of software. If we look at it as software, right? Like you mentioned earlier, the tech is the important part, right? Um, The value given uh, by BTC is only a byproduct of the fact that the network uh, has nodes that support the facilitation of that ledger right Mm -hmm. so people selling their btc are selling it because either a they bought it off of an exchange or b they bought it from or a miner has it and they're selling it and that's part of their payout because the coins being a byproduct are an incentivization to run the ledger so you you have to understand that without the generation of the block the ledger itself could theoretically be implemented without the need for a cryptocurrency however it would be next to impossible to validate that it has not been changed modified and that it is immutable uh and therefore the cryptography surrounding the block generation uh that allows for that to be signed and become immutable as it's verified by everyone else right so that's kind of the 
kind of a layman slash kind of technical did i did, it, did, did all that make sense yeah yeah so i think it's an important um point that you touched on the the how bitcoin works and that blockchain which by the way was for anyone listening as bitcoin was the first coin um yes. how that works is if you want to talk a little bit more about the mining aspect of of bitcoin sure exactly. sure sure so so with uh, every every ten minutes average, uh, I say average because there are times when Bitcoin will generate blocks that are faster, slower, that kind of thing, um, dependent on answers and proof of work and complexity. So anyway, mining is the idea that I am making a GPU, a CPU, or an ASIC or an FPGA or whatever whatever apparatus I have just declared will be mining Bitcoin or have programmed to be doing so. Uh, is attempting to answer the question of the block. And in the case of BTC, uh, the proof of work or the continuous hashing that generates this output uh, is further made more difficult for every node on the network. Now, this was a fail-safe to also ensure that A, network growth is necessary in order to continue uh, the distribution of the coin, but also it is to prevent people from being able to come in and just multi-billion dollar buy their way into a 51% attack, right? Mm -hmm. um, and this is an economic structure that, you know, again, builds itself on the idea of the byproduct of the block. And that right there is the incentivization to fund a miner. Now, anyone that's familiar with mining today knows that GPU mining is almost not worth it. Actually, in most cases, it's just, you know, you're only GPU mining because that's what you got available, right? Mm -hmm. um, most people are ASIC-fying everything. If they're going to mine Bitcoin, they're, they're ASICs. And I get that. I stopped mining, uh, what was it, 20, I think 2012 was my last mining, uh, solo mining transaction. Um, I joined a pool and I joined slush pool and, uh, I think it was slush pool. Yeah. I'll have to go back and look at my logs. But anyway, I, uh, I, I mined from 2012 to 2014, but in 2014, I completely stopped because the ASICs had just taken over. Um, ASICs were becoming a thing and, you know, ASICs outperform a GPU. And for the consumer model, like, uh, you know, people like ourselves and, and everyone listening or, you know, non-business types, when we look at look at BTC and mining at home, in today's time, we've kind of lost sight of that because the ASICs have literally destroyed the ability to do so, right? And with that comes a danger. And this is something that a lot of people don't talk about. Bitmain's hashing power represents 51% of the total amount of hashing or almost 51 percent of the total hashing power available to the bitcoin network now i don't mean bitmain as the company i mean bitmain as their product lines and things like that right so that's very dangerous that we're reliant again on a third party right so even in mining you have to be very careful but also this does another thing this also brings centralization into mining mm -hmm. which is dangerous because as miners become centralized so do the nodes and that's where full node verification and everything like that are super important because as your node count goes down, the strength of the chain goes down because now you have less nodes to validate the transactions on the chain. You have less people keeping a copy of that ledger. And as that happens, you begin to formulate a centralization and we are attempting to break away from that centralization of the banking industry. Right? So, mm -hmm. 
it, again, BTC is becoming almost a victim of its own success in a lot of ways because if you start to look at the fact that the ASICs represent the mining power. Now, uh, do you have an ASIC at home, by the way? I do not. <laughs> I'm asking you because I know you don't because I wouldn't be able to hear you. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> they're loud. They're very loud. And, and, and they take a lot of power, right? So, exactly. so when you yeah. start looking at peer-to-peer and effective peer-to-peer models to be able to transact if it costs that much for me to do so. And now it costs even more in the, uh, in the prices and the fees are so high. It becomes kind of an issue when peer-to-peer cash model or peer-to-peer cashless models regarding Bitcoin becomes an interesting problem because now I can use low fees. However, I may have to wait 10 hours for a confirmation. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I think, problems with, with Bitcoin, but it did pave the way um, for, for these coins, such as what you're working on, which is Burstcoin. Um, and you talked about the mining with the, with the GPUs and the ASICs. And like you said, that uses a lot of power, which is a huge concern for, for we're trying to make the world a better place, yet we're you know, working on a coin that's probably going to double the world's energy consumption if it were to succeed. So what makes Burstcoin different? So the so first thing I want to say about that is that, um, you know, Bitcoin did pave the way. And because of that, the heritage that's in Burst is important to note on. So Burst is originally a, uh, which was based on NXT. NXT was a proof of stake. Uh, based uh, consensus protocol coin that was forked to Bitcoin, right? So NXT forked, became a PO, it was a POS coin. From there, the original developer of Burstcoin forked it and devised the proof of capacity uh, algorithm. Now, what proof of capacity does is it utilizes space. And by space, I mean literal hard drive space. Now, what it does is it generates uh, a Shabal 256 output, which is the ascent, which is a very I/O intensive uh, and ASIC resistant hashing algorithm. And what this does is it generates a size, or as we commonly refer to it, a plot, and that fills up the disk space. So you figure that I have written, we'll say for argument here, one terabyte, right? I've written one terabyte of this output. I have plotted one terabyte. At this one terabyte is then read every four minutes, average block time. And it's looked for the answer as well as how long it took to get to the actual knots written on the disk. Now, for those of you who just got lost, that basically means I found the answer in the output and then how long it took my or how long it would take my hard drive to actually read to that location. Hmm. And that can change dramatically as Shabal 256 output is very intensive in the sense that when it generates data, it actually writes out to the nonce itself. Now, a nonce is just a slice of disk or a space. In this case, we're going to keep it simple in uh, this, and I'm trying to keep it high level so that we don't go into the proofing and all this other mm -hmm. stuff that doesn't necessarily fit the scope of this conversation, right? <laughs> and uh, so, so every four minutes, that's our mining. Now, energy consumption in that is, if you want to look at the trade-off, it basically, a hard drive costs about two to four watts of power per hour. Hmm. That's it. Um, on, and that's a spinning disk or spinning rust, as they call it, or whatever you want to call it. Now, energy consumption from an ASIC is around 
a thousand to seventeen hundred kilowatt, uh, seventeen hundred watts per hour, at, you know, for use at home. Now, to give you some electricity example, to those of you that like to do napkin math, average cost of power in, uh, in uh, like say California is like fifteen to eighteen cents, and it goes up astronomically depending on what area you're in. I'm just doing baseline, mm -hmm. um, so you can kind of figure out how much you're going to pay per kilowatt hour per hour on just running the ASIC at home. Mm -hmm. and, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a huge difference. And that's actually what, how I got interested in burst coin, probably like a lot of people actually back in December, uh, I think I, I noticed John McAfee's tweet about burst coin being an energy efficient coin and it really caught my attention. Yeah. I had heard about burst coin through a friend of mine. Um, and also in December, because he saw that tweet, but I didn't get involved, and in, we didn't get involved, our team out here, until, um, what was it, end of February, we, we started, I started deep diving into it, and like really looking at like the community, seeing what was there, seeing what software was available, what tools were there, that kind of thing, and then, um, you know, like I said, since I've been in uh, blockchain here, and, and a member of the BTC uh, community for nine years, I was like, man, it would be kind of cool to be involved in a, a project that also aligns with, you know, technical advocates, which is as better technology comes along, we should embrace it. Right. And better technology is there. It just needs work. And that's what the burst coin team is doing, uh, the POCC. Uh, and then we build the features onto that to make it a more compelling and make it a, make it a more compelling uh, use case as well as showing how with, technology that actually is more energy efficient that we could facilitate the same things and even more actually because now as you may or may not know there are now d apps and things like that that are coming to burst coin that actually start to change the way that we start to view how a blockchain is being interacted with huh so aside from the energy consumption part of it what are some of the other improvements that you would say burst coin is making over the older technologies well, one is the, the size of the block as well as the consensus algorithm allows for that to exist as well as a faster throughput. And by what I mean by that is that right now Bitcoin averages, uh, what is it, one TPS to max 7.1 uh, transactions per second uh, with their block, right? Right. Uh, Bitcoin Cash does a two megabyte block or, yeah, two megabyte block or whatever with 80 TPS. Uh, Ethereum, I don't know what they actually do because it's hard to figure out if it actually works the way they say it does or not. Because uh, if you say it doesn't, they'll governance layer that shit. Um, <laughs> but Burst does 80 transactions per second and it allows for a faster and more TPS if you want to with multi-out because that doesn't add to the slot usage, right? Or doesn't add to the total TPS volume. Now, important is what's coming with burst and that is the dimaxing layer and that is the movement to to being able to do tangle nets and to be able to do even more transactions per second with the same block size and, and improvements all around but what we see right now is that i don't have to wait 10 hours for a transaction right to, to get to get a confirmation before someone gets the money into their account because that breaks business flows. Oh, yeah. like, 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 you know, people were talking about the Starbucks thing, right? And they're like, <laughs> hey, I'm going to go buy the Starbucks or Bitcoin. I'm like, okay, are you paying a high priority fee? And they're like, no. And I'm like, okay, you will not be able to buy coffee. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of uh, concerns and, and road bumps right now in terms of 
getting this more into the mainstream because i've been playing around as i say with crypto since last fall and yeah the transaction time obviously a big one uh the transactions per second like you mentioned where do you see the future of cryptocurrency going because it's i like you say i mean at the moment it's a great idea but i just feel like we're not quite there in terms of implementing it in the coffee shops as you say and that kind of thing well, I think we are ready. I think what okay. you're running yes. into, and here's why I say I think we're ready. Certain people will be ready. Those people who choose to adopt it now, and I don't mean adopt it through BitPay. That's not really adopting a coin. Anytime you take a coin and you, oh, sorry about that. My headset came off. Uh, anytime you <coughs> immediately take a coin and convert it to fiat, you're literally giving the potential chance that the power that we're attempting to take from the banking industry is coming right back and getting that. Now, I can confirm through three buyers that I know of this year that there have been over $225 million bought off of exchanges, but bought directly from BTC Wales that I know. <laughs> oh, some people may say, oh, well, that's illegal. Well, no, because remember, crypto is unregulated, right? Mm. And the banks have had their fair share of knowing how to manipulate an unregulated and regulated market. So don't think for a second they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> um, so, we, so what we look at right now is that now we're starting to see how to make machines more intelligent in dealing with blockchain transactions, right? So Lightning Network is Bitcoin's solution for, for handling the coffee shop thing. And I like Lightning Network. I think it's great. I think the idea is great. However, I think that as we understand things we're going to be able to see faster transaction times now when i say faster transaction times i mean meaningful transactions right i don't mean like eos and some other coins that like to put on-chain transactions as whether or not you thumbs up or thumbs down something i mean whether or not timmy in new york is purchasing a coffee from the hipster spot across the street from a chinese place that nobody knows the name of and he's like running a transaction as well as the guy in Florida who just bought, you know, a pack of uh, gum at a, at a gas station. Those are meaningful transactions, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that's what I mean is, is like, these are real world transactions. Like some dude in, in Toronto will say, right. Or, or Montreal is, is using a coin to buy something. Those are meaningful transactions. But a lot of times what we're starting to see is that a lot of people fluff transaction time. Because what they're doing is they're attempting to say that they're faster and they're better. And they may be faster. I'm not disagreeing. However, there's power in the consensus model to confirm whether or not that transaction is valid. And that's where cryptocurrency shines, but that's where it falls short, right? Mm. Because you have a trade-off. Because confirmations matter. That means that that transaction is valid, right? Mm -hmm. But speed. So like I always tell people, blockchains are inherently slow. Anyone that says they have an instantaneously fast blockchain is either lying or they really don't understand what exactly a blockchain does. And the reason why I say that is, I, I'm not going to say this particular coin's name, but they have the they're supposedly fastest TPS. Now, I started doing some look. They only have 100 nodes, and that's all that are allowed to be there. And that's dangerous because that's centralization. I and you should be able to run a node to validate our own transactions, yeah? Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the scope, right? And in today's time, what we're starting to actually see, you know, that mantra of BTC and everyone else saying, be your own bank, right? 
there are now ways to start to do that, right? With debit card companies and others starting to utilize it and beginning to get their, their, their feet wet with crypto. If, if one is elegant enough to spend the time, and by elegant, I mean someone that actually wants to write a similar code to make it look pretty, one can actually do their own bank with autonomous code. It's there. You could do it on any chain. But, you know, you again, it's left up to the people to make those decisions, right? And what we're starting to see today is that we're starting to see this rise of a governance layer. Have you, have you seen that yet? Yes, yeah. Okay, so we build software that prevents governance, and then we go back to <laughs> governance? Yeah, yeah. Use on that, please. Give me, your, give me your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, I was just going to flip that around, actually, and ask you, what do you think are some of the, the main roadblocks that we're running into right now in terms of gaining that widespread appeal of these coins? Um, because I think regulation has been one of the big fears that perhaps, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but to me, that seems like one of the reasons the, the cryptocurrency market hasn't really recovered this year yet. So, so here's a question I have for you. Um, you run Linux? Uh, I, I do not run Linux. Okay. I'm not, I'm not quite as tech minded no. as some of you, I'm sure. No, 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 no. no. I, I, I'm over here on OSX right now. I, <laughs> I run a mixture of operating systems. The reason why I ask that, right, is so in the nineties, you know, everyone tried to kill Linux, right? Microsoft, all the proprietary Unixes, everybody wanted Linux dead. Linux yeah. is still here. You come in contact with it, whether or not you, you know what goes on in the back end, you come in contact with it at least a hundred times a day. Well, matter of fact, you have a, a, an iPhone. Uh, I have an Android. Okay, great. You're you're putting into <laughs> Linux every day, every time. Okay. You buy, yeah, that, that's Linux, right? right? Now, when we start looking at things, we start to say, okay, cool. There are some room room for understanding that there could be improvements. However, in a truly decentralized, community-driven, developed coin such as Bitcoin. Burst, XMR, those kind of things. They have node operators. Like those are people who legitimately are community members, mine the coin, own some of the coin, and they run nodes. Those nodes can signal whether or not to upgrade the software that will implement the regulation by the United States or whoever government, right? And they make that choice. Now people say, oh, well, they'll have to make that choice. I don't know if anyone's actually read how mining signaling and all this stuff works, but if you don't run the software, you've given your answer that you're not going to promote or support it. Now, we saw this last year. We saw this last year, not with regulation, but we saw what happens whenever someone attempts to push software that the community did not want, and that was Bitcoin Cash. They did not get, con no, they didn't get consensus. Yeah. That's why it was a user activated soft fork and not a hard fork. It huh. shares a Genesis block. It is not its own entity. And that's important to note. So what I think we'll see in the future, and the reason I use that example, is because if government attempts to regulate it, it will become a UASF. Those that choose to have the regulation and those that choose to not. The Genesis block will still be held by the chain, the, mm -hmm. the original chain. But I think that we will see that that will happen. And yeah. the reason I say that is because uh, I, as a node operator at home, will not be installing any form of a government or some secretive third parties uh, controlling software on my, on my node. I will not. Mm-hmm.
And I represent a lot of people when I say that because they also will not buy into that. The purist anyway. Yeah. I think I feel like it's a bit like a game of whack-a-mole too. I mean, when, in terms of the government's trying to regulate these coins, like they, it's to me at last year, it, I feel like it crossed that tipping point where it's just become so big that uh, I'm pretty sure that or I have high hopes that this will succeed. And uh, it reminds me a lot of also like Napster, for example, in the early 2000s and MP3s and so forth. They, they were thought if they shut down Napster that then it would all go away but here we are today and everyone's listening to mp3s now so yeah and like I said just like with the Linux just like with any movement of software right you you have the social economic impacts of it and then you also have uh, another stark contrast which is with the the shutting down or or with the attempt of regulations and things like that what you'll begin to see is you'll see some really innovative stuff as a counter to attempted regulation. And, and what I mean by that is that like agencies such as the NSA and others have already been trying to figure out certain things about how these protocols are going to work and tie into to, to daily lives, as well as the FBI attempting to bust everyone illegally selling Bitcoin. By the way, if you're gonna sell Bitcoin, not on an exchange and into an individual, don't sell it to an FBI informant, okay? <laughs> uh, and then turn around and use that money to buy cocaine don't do that from the DEA. Don't do that. That guy, <laughs> I don't know if you read that story. Have you? I don't think so. No. Oh, so, so that happened, uh, that happened earlier this year, a guy in Southern California, uh, illegally sold some BTC to an undercover FBI agent, used the cash <laughs> to buy drugs from a DEA agent. I mean, you want to talk about hat trick it, let's hat trick it. Right. <laughs> and, and lo and behold, he also had some stolen checks on him or something, but you know, like, you know, do it, do it right, I guess. But, you know, like, the thing is, is what we look into today and what I see today is that as people like myself and others who are building services for easier adoption, who are working on things that, to make it easier for my grandmother or someone's grandmother to use these tools, then at that point, we have to understand that there is going to be a need for understanding and public audits of the services people are running, right? Like right now, banking industry, we have no insight to what they do. Hmm. Like if I'm going to attempt to start a service in BTC or, or, or Monero, I would hope everyone's asking me what's actually going on and looking at my source code. But we obviously know that's not the case because people blindly trust the third party. And by blindly trust the third party, look at people who trust the bank, People trust a shoddy website that says it's a Bitcoin wallet. I mean, people do that. Mm -hmm. And they, 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 they blindly trust people because they have no idea what's going on. So as part of what I do uh, and what we do out here in California, as, as my girlfriend uh, will tell you, I'm going to use one quote and I'm going to tell you one thing that we've been doing. Uh, so her quote famously about human beings has been, people are so used to being governed or people are so used to being under control and when given freedom, they still choose governance. Mm, yeah. And, and it's because of lack of education. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. That's a, uh, it's a great way to sum it up here. Um, if people want to learn more about burst coin or get involved in, in the community, where, where can they go or what can they do? Uh, sure, they can go to burst-coin.org. They can go to our subreddit, uh, which is burstcoin subreddit. They can uh, go to our Telegram group, which is literally four slash burstcoin. I mean, t.me or whatever, four slash burstcoin. 
Um, if you want to get in touch and actually learn uh, firsthand, if you're in the Silicon Valley area, uh, we will be starting a new round of classes on introduction and cryptocurrency, uh, as well as building blockchain applications uh, at Action Spot in San Jose, California. So, Perfect. yeah, if anybody wants to get involved, that'll also be live streamed. So feel free to pop in. Perfect. Well, thanks a lot for joining me today, Daniel, and sharing your insights into the blockchain and Burstcoin. And thank you for listening to the show today. If you enjoy the content we create and want to see this vision continue, we do need your support. You can head over to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com slash Elysium Project TV.